Chapter Fifteen of Home Life in Colonial Days by Alice Morse Earle. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Sunday in the Colonies. The first building used as a church at the Plymouth Colony was the fort and to it the pilgrim fathers and mothers and children walked on sunday reverently and gravely three in a row the men fully armed with swords and guns till they built a meeting-house in sixteen forty eight in other new england settlements the first services were held in tents under trees or under any shelter the settler who had a roomy house often had also the meeting the first boston meeting-house had mud walls a thatched roof and earthen floor it was used till sixteen forty and some very thrilling and inspiring scenes were enacted within its humble walls. Usually the earliest meeting-houses were log-houses, with clay-filled chinks and roofs thatched with reeds and long grass, like the dwelling-houses. At Salem is still preserved one of the early churches the second and more dignified form of new england meeting-house was usually a square wooden building with a truncated pyramidal roof surmounted often with a belfry which served as a lookout station and held a bell from which the bell-rope hung down to the floor in the centre of the church aisle the old church at hingham massachusetts still standing and still used is a good specimen of this shape it was built in sixteen eighty one and is known as the old ship and is a comely and dignified building as more elegant and costly dwelling-houses were built so were better meeting-houses and the third form with lofty wooden steeple at one end in the style of architecture invented by sir christopher wren after the great fire of london multiplied and increased until every town was graced with an example in all these the main body of the edifice remained as bare prosaic and undecorated as were the preceding churches while all the ambition of both builders and congregation spent itself in the steeple these were so varied and at times so beautiful that a chapter might be written on new england steeples 
the old south church in boston is a good example of this school of ecclesiastical architecture and is a well-known historic building as well the earliest meeting-houses had oiled paper in the windows and when glass came it was not set with putty but was nailed in the windows had what was termed quote, heavy current side shutters unquote. the outside of the meeting-house was not colored or stained as it was then termed but was left to turn gray and weather-stained and sometimes moss-covered with the dampness of the great shadowing hemlock and fir-trees which were usually planted around new england churches the first meeting-houses were often decorated in a very singular and grotesque manner rewards were paid by all the early towns for killing wolves and any person who killed a wolf brought the head to the meeting-house and nailed it to the outer wall the fierce grinning heads and splashes of blood made a grim and horrible decoration all kinds of notices were also nailed to the meeting-house door where all of the congregation might readily see them notices of town meetings of sales of cattle or farms lists of town officers prohibitions from selling guns to the indians notices of intended marriages venues etc it was the only meeting-place the only method of advertisement in front of the church was usually a row of stepping-stones or horse-blocks for nearly all came on horseback and often on the meeting-house green stood the stocks pillory and whipping-post a verse from an old-fashioned hymn reads thus new england's sabbath day is heaven-like still and pure when israel walks the way up to the temple's door the time we tell when there to come by beat of drum or sounded shell Unquote. the first church at jamestown virginia gathered the congregation by beat of the drum but while attendants of the episcopal roman catholic and dutch reformed churches in the new world were in general being summoned to divine service by the ringing of a bell hung either over the church or in the branches of a tree by its side new england puritans were summoned as the hymn relates by drum or horn or shell the shell was a great conch shell and a man was hired to blow it a mournful sound at the proper time 
which was usually nine o'clock in the morning in stockbridge massachusetts the church shell was afterwards used for many years as a signal to begin and stop work in the haying field in windsor connecticut a man walked up and down on a platform on the top of the meeting-house and blew a trumpet to summon worshippers many churches had a church drummer who stood on the roof or in the belfry and drummed a few raised a flag as a summons or fired a gun within the meeting-house all was simple enough raftered walls puncheon and sanded or earthen floors rows of benches a few pews all of unpainted wood and a pulpit which was usually a high desk overhung by a heavy sounding board which was fastened to the roof by a slender metal rod the pulpit was sometimes called a scaffold when pews were built they were square with high partition walls and had narrow uncomfortable seats round three sides the word was always spelled pew p u e and they were sometimes called pits a little girl in the middle of this century attended a service in an old church which still retained the old-fashioned square pews she exclaimed in a loud voice quote, what must i be shut up in a closet and sit on a shelf Unquote. these narrow shelf-like seats were usually hung on hinges and could be turned up against the pew walls during the long psalm tunes and prayers so the members of the congregation could lean against the pew walls for support as they stood when the seats were let down they fell with a heavy slam that could be heard half a mile away in the summer time when the windows of the meeting-house were open lines from an old poem read quote, and when at last the loud amen fell from aloft how quickly then the seats came down with heavy rattle like musketry in fiercest battle unquote. a few of the old-time meeting-houses with high pulpits square pews and deacon seats still remain in new england the interior of the rocky hill meeting-house at salisbury massachusetts is here shown it fully illustrates the words of the poet quote, old house of puritanic wood through whose unpainted windows streamed on seats as primitive and rude as jacob's pillow when he dreamed the white and undiluted day unquote. the seats were carefully and thoughtfully assigned by a church committee called the seating committee the best seats being given to older persons of wealth and dignity who attended the church whittier wrote of this custom quote, 
in the goodly house of worship where in order due and fit as by public vote directed classed and ranked the people sit mistress first and goodwife after clerkly squire before the clown from the brave coat lace embroidered to the gray coat shading down unquote. many of the plans for seating the meeting-house have been preserved the pews and their assigned occupants are clearly designated a copy is shown of one now in deerfield memorial hall in the early meeting-houses men and women sat on separate sides of the meeting-house as in quaker meetings till our own time sometimes a group of young women or of young men were permitted to sit in the gallery together little girls sat beside their mothers or on footstools at their feet or sometimes on the gallery stairs and i have heard of a little cage or frame to hold puritan babies in meeting boys did not sit with their families but were in groups by themselves usually on the pulpit and gallery stairs where tithing men watched over them in salem in sixteen seventy six it was ordered by the town that quote, all ye boys of ye town are appointed to sit upon ye three pair of stairs in ye meeting-house and william lord is appointed to look after ye boys upon ye pulpit stairs unquote. in stratford the tithing man was ordered to quote, watch over youths of disorderly carriage and see they behave themselves comely and use such raps and blows as is in his discretion meet in durham any misbehaving boy was punished publicly after the service was over we would nowadays scarcely see twenty or thirty active boys together in church if we wish them to be models of attention and dignified behavior but after the boys seats were removed from the pulpit stairs they were all turned in together in the boys pews in the gallery there was a boys pew in windsor connecticut as late as eighteen forty five and pretty noisy it usually was a certain small boy in connecticut misbehaved himself on sunday and his wickedness was specified by the justice of the peace as follows quote, a rude and idle behavior in the meeting-house such as smiling and laughing and enticing others to the same evil such as laughing or smiling or pulling the hair of his neighbor menoni simpkins in the time of pummeling worship such as throwing sister pentecost perkins on the ice it being sabbath day 
between the meeting-house and his place of abode unquote. i can picture well the wicked scene poor meek little benoni simpkins trying to behave well in meeting and not cry out when the young quote, wanton gospeller unquote, pulled her hair and unfortunate sister perkins tripped up on the ice by the young rascal another vain youth in andover massachusetts was brought up before the magistrate and it was charged that he quote, sported and played and by indecent gestures and wry faces caused laughter and misbehavior in the beholders unquote. the girls were just as wicked they slammed down the pew seats tabitha morgus of norwich quote, profaned the lord's day unquote, by her quote, rude and indecent behavior in laughing and playing in ye time of service unquote. on long island godless boys quote, ran races unquote, on the sabbath and quote, talked of vain things unquote. and as for albany children they played hooky and coasted downhill on sunday to the scandal of every one evidently except their parents when the boys were separated and families sat in pews together all became orderly in meeting the deacons sat in a deacon's pew just in front of the pulpit sometimes also there was a deaf pew in front for those who were hard of hearing after choirs were established the singers seats were usually in the gallery and high up under the beams in a loft sat the negroes and indians if any person seated himself in any place which was not assigned to him he had to pay a fine usually of several shillings for each offence but in old newbury men were fined as high as twenty-seven pounds each for persistent and unruly sitting in seats belonging to other members the churches were all unheated few had stoves until the middle of this century the chill of the damp buildings never heated from autumn to spring and closed and dark throughout the week was hard for every one to bear in some of the early log-built meeting-houses fur bags made of wolf-skins were nailed to the seats and in winter church attendants thrust their feet into them dogs too were permitted to enter the meeting-house and lie on their master's feet dog-whippers or dog-pelters were appointed to control and expel them when they became unruly or unbearable women and children usually carried foot-stoves which were little pierced metal boxes that stood on wooden legs and held hot coals during the noon intermission the half-frozen church attendants went to a neighboring house or tavern or to a noon house to get warm a noon house or sabbath day house as it was often called 
was a long low building built near the meeting-house with horse-stalls at one end and a chimney at the other in it the farmers kept says one church record their duds and horses a great fire of logs were built there each sunday and before its cheerful blaze noonday luncheons of brown bread doughnuts or gingerbread were eaten and foot-stoves were filled boys and girls were not permitted to indulge in idle talk in these noon houses much less to play often two or three families built a noon house together or the church built a society house and there the children had a sermon read to them by a deacon during the nooning sometimes the children had to explain aloud the notes they had taken during the sermon in the morning thus they throve as a minister wrote on the good fare of brown bread and the gospel there was no nearer approach to a sunday school until this century the services were not shortened because the churches were uncomfortable by the side of the pulpit stood a brass-bound hourglass which was turned by the tithing man or clerk but it did not hasten the closing of the sermon sermons two or three hours long were customary and prayers from one to two hours in length when the first church in woburn was dedicated the minister preached a sermon nearly five hours long a dutch traveller recorded a prayer four hours long on a fast day many prayers were two hours long the doors were closed and watched by the tithing man and none could leave even if tired or restless unless with good excuse the singing of the psalms was tedious and unmusical just as it was in churches of all denominations both in america and england at that date singing was by ear and very uncertain and the congregation had no notes and many had no psalm books and hence no words so the psalms were lined or deacon that is a line was read by the deacon and then sung by the congregation some psalms when lined and sung occupied half an hour during which the congregation stood there were but eight or nine tunes in general use and even these were often sung incorrectly there were no church organs to help keep the singers together but sometimes pitch pipes were used to set the key bass viols clarinets and flutes were played upon at a later date in meeting to help the singing violins were too associated with dance music to be thought decorous for church music still the new england churches clung to and loved their poor confused psalm singing as one of their few delights and whenever a puritan even in road or field heard the distant sound of a psalm tune he removed his hat and bowed his head in prayer 
contributions at first were not collected by the deacons but the entire congregation one after another walked up to the deacon's seat and placed gifts of money goods wampum or promissory notes in a box when the services were ended all remained in the pews until the minister and his wife had walked up the aisle and out of the church the strict observance of sunday as a holy day was one of the characteristics of the puritans any profanation of the day was severely punished by fine or whipping citizens were forbidden to fish shoot sail row dance jump or ride save to and from church or to perform any work on the farm an infinite number of examples might be given to show how rigidly the laws were enforced the use of tobacco was forbidden near the meeting-house these laws were held to extend from sunset on saturday to sunset on sunday for in the first instructions given to governor endicott by the company in england it was ordered that all in the colony cease work at three o'clock in the afternoon on saturday the puritans found support of this belief in the scriptural words quote, the evening and the morning were the first day unquote. a sabbath day in the family of rev john cotton was thus described by one of his fellow ministers quote, he began the sabbath at evening therefore then performed family duty after supper being longer than ordinary in exposition after which he catechized his children and servants then returned to his study the morning following family worship being ended he retired into his study until the bell called him away upon his return from meeting where he had preached and prayed some hours he returned again into his study the place of his labor and prayer unto his favorite devotion where having a small repast carried him up for his dinner he continued until the tolling of the bell the public service of the afternoon being over he withdrew for a space to his pre-mentioned oratory for his sacred addresses to god as in the forenoon then came down repeated the sermon in the family prayed after supper sang a psalm and toward bedtime betaking himself again to his study he closed the day with prayer thus he spent the sabbath continually unquote the virginia cavaliers were strict church of england men and the first who came to the colony were strict sunday keepers rules were laid down to enforce sunday observance journeys were forbidden boat lading was prohibited also all profanation of the day by sports such as shooting fishing game playing etc the offender who broke the sabbath laws had to pay a fine and be set in the stocks when the sturdy watchdog of religion and government 
sir thomas dale came over he declared absence from church should be punishable by death but this severity never was executed the captain of the watch was made to play the same part as the new england tithing man every sunday half an hour before service time at the last tolling of the bell the captain stationed sentinels then searched all the houses and commanded and forced all except the sick to go to church then when all were driven churchwards before him he went with his guards to church himself captain john smith in his pathway to erect a plantation thus vividly described the first places of divine worship in virginia Quote, we did hang an awning which is an old sail in three or four trees to shadow us from the sun our walls were rails of wood our seats unhewed trees till we cut planks our pulpit a bar of wood nailed to two neighboring trees in foul weather we shifted into an old rotten tent this came by way of adventure for new this was our church till we built a homely thing like a barn set upon cratchits covered with rafts sedge and earth so also was the walls the best of our houses were of like curiosity that could neither well defend from wind nor rain yet we had daily common prayer morning and evening every sunday two sermons and every three months a holy communion till our minister died but our prayers daily with an homily on sunday we continued two or three years after till more preachers came Unquote. a timber church sixty feet long took the place of this mud and clay chapel and this was in turn replaced by the brick one whose ruined arches are still standing the wooden church saw the most pompous ceremony of the day when the governor de la ware or delaware as we now call it in full dress attended by all his counsellors and officers and fifty halbert bearers in scarlet cloaks filed within its flower-decked walls this decoration of flowers was significant of the difference between the church edifices of the puritans and of the cavaliers the churches of the southern colonies were as a rule much more richly furnished many were modeled and shaped after the old english churches and were built of stone though jonathan butcher the colonial clergyman could write that the greater number of the southern churches were at the time of the revolution quote, composed of wood without spires or towers or steeples or bells placed in retired and solitary spots and contiguous to springs or wells unquote. many of the churches and chapels of ease stood by the waterside and to the services came the church attendants in canoes pirri augers dugouts etc it made an animated scene upon the water as the boats came rowing in and as they departed after the service sometimes the seats were comfortably cushioned and they were carefully 
assigned as in the puritan meetings in some virginia churches seats in the galleries were deemed the most dignified there was a pew for the magistrates another for the magistrates ladies pews for the representatives and church wardens vestrymen etc persons crowded into pews above their stations just as in new england and were promptly displaced groups of men built pews together and there were schoolboys galleries and pews the first clergyman in virginia robert hunt a true man of god came as a missionary and he and others were men of marked intellect and religion but in the eighteenth century the pay was too small and uncertain to attract any great men from the church of england and church attendance dwindled and became irregular for in virginia the parish was expected to receive any clergyman sent them from england a rule which often proved unsatisfactory and deservedly so since some very disreputable offshoots of english families were thrust upon the virginia churches in the carolinas where the church chose its own clergyman harmony and affection prevailed in the parishes as it did among the new england puritans though the virginians did not always love their clergymen still they were ever steadfast in their affection to their church and regarded it as the only church sunday was not observed with as much rigidity in new netherland as in new england but strict rules and laws were made for enforcing quiet during service time fishing gathering berries or nuts playing in the streets working going on pleasure trips all were forbidden on long island shooting of wild fowl carting of grain traveling for pleasure all were punished in revolutionary times a cage was set up in city hall park near the present new york post office in which boys were confined who did not properly regard the sabbath before the dutch settlers had any church or dominies as they called their ministers they had crankby soakers or visitors of the sick who read sermons to an assembled congregation every sunday the first church at albany was much like the plymouth fort simply a blockhouse with loopholes through which the guns could be fired the roof was mounted with three cannon it had a seat for the magistrates and one for the deacons and a handsome octagonal pulpit which had been sent from holland and which still exists the edifice had a chandelier and candle sconces and two low galleries the first church in new amsterdam was of stone and was seventy-two feet long a favorite form of the dutch churches was six or eight-sided with a high pyramidal roof topped with a belfry and a weather-vane usually the windows were so small and of glass so opaque that the church was very dark a few of the churches were poorly heated with high stoves perched up on pillars the albany and schenectady churches among them but all the women carried foot stoves and some of the men carried muffs 
almost as important as the nominee was the vorleser or chorister who was also generally the bell-ringer sexton grave-digger funeral inviter schoolmaster and sometimes town clerk he tuned the psalm turned the hourglass gave out the psalms on a hanging board to the congregation read the bible gave up notices to the dominie by sticking the papers in the end of a cleft stick and holding it up to the high pulpit the deacons had control of all the church money in the middle of the sermon they collected contributions by passing the sackji these were small cloth or velvet bags hung on the end of a pole six or eight feet long a french traveller told the dutch deacons pass round quote, the old square hat of the preacher unquote, on the end of a stick for the contributions usually there was a little bell on the sackji which rung when a coin was dropped in in many dutch churches the men sat in a row of pews around the wall while the women were seated on chairs in the centre of the church there were also a few benches or pews for persons of special dignity or for the minister's wife there were many other colonists of other religious faiths the roman catholic in maryland and the extreme southern colonies the quakers in pennsylvania the baptists in rhode island the huguenots lutherans moravians but all enjoined an orderly observance of the sabbath day and it may be counted as one of the great blessings of the settlement of america one of the most ennobling conditions of its colonization that it was made at a time when the deepest religious feeling prevailed throughout europe when devotion to some religion was found in every one when the bible was a newly found and deeply loved treasure when the very differences of religious belief and the formation of new sects made each cling more lovingly and more earnestly to his own faith End of chapter fifteen